Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast 489. Kurt Mortensen here, and we have got a special guest today. So buckle up, get ready to take some notes. We have Ian Campbell, who is the CEO of Nucleus Research and the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, The Value Sell. He is a recognized expert on return on investment, and we know that as ROI, and total cost of ownership, or TCO. Uh, so he's good at the TCO analysis and has written and presented extensively on a range of organizational topics and the importance of matching technology to business organizational objectives. He's a frequent speaker at industry and business events and teaches at Babson College and Florida International University. Ian, welcome aboard. Kurt, thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's good to have you. You've got a great message to share, but we have to start off with, as our listeners know... What, in your opinion, is the worst vegetable on the planet and why? Well, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I would say all of them. I am not <laughs> a vegetable guy. I actually point out to her on a regular basis that rabbits eat salad and they only have an average lifespan of eight years. Humans eat donuts. Look at how long they last. So more donuts, less salad. So listeners, now you know you have permission to eat more donuts and less salad. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Now you have your facts, your research. It's a done deal next time somebody looks at you and you're eating your third donut. All right. <laughs> so let's dive into this and talk about the value cell. Why did you feel so passionate about writing this book? Nucleus Research is a research firm like Gardner or Forrest, like some of the others in the industry, and we look at value. So we don't have opinions as analysts. We just look at return on investment. So we've been doing this for a very long time. I've taught a lot of salespeople over the years, and I, I always start out with sort of the same premise. If I told you that you could make money raising baby alligators in your bathtub, would you do it? And the answer is yeah. I mean, the answer is, how much money am I going to make? And if I told you you could make $5 million a year raising baby alligators, you'd probably do it. And there's a number above which your spouse would say, that was a genius idea. Even if they have to go to the gym every morning to take a shower and to, to get ready. And in fact, you'd probably say, can I order another batch of baby alligators to raise? And the point there is that I really didn't tell you anything about the product. I only told you about the return, the value that you get. And you bought. And it comes down to understanding that if I can show a customer that they will get a positive return from a product, from a solution, I can turn the sale from pushing somebody through the funnel to them pulling themselves through. You know, metaphorically, you're always going to have to push the customer to some extent. But value can really help drive a sale to such a great degree that ultimately it turns out to be the thing that either makes or breaks a deal. Does the prospect understand value. And that's really what I wrote the book for, was to give people a practical approach for how to use value in the sales process and how to show the customer, the prospect, that they can positive return in an easy-to-use way. 
Love it. Hopefully everyone caught that. It's the thing, the thing. You talk about the important things to learn and to apply in the sales process. And if you can push somebody through that sales funnel instead of pull them, and that's the key. If you can help people persuade themselves instead of vomiting the 32 reasons they should do it, all the features, then we are on track. So well said. But let me ask you though, this ROI thing, for some is a difficult topic. Sometimes they, their eyes roll back in their head. Simplify it for us. What is it? How can we use it? Just make it easy for us. Sure, you already know it. And a lot of salespeople will make it more complex. They'll hire outside folks. So they'll have a value team. But if you've ever walked into a bank, you already understand ROI. You put money in and you get a return each month, each year, based on the amount of money you have. And that money still stays there. So if I put money in and I get a 5% return, let's say I throw $100 in, I get $5 back every year. Get five dollars back, one hundred five divided by one hundred is 0.05. It's five percent. You already understand it, and the hundred dollars still sits there. So if I buy something, what is the return? What are the benefits that I'm going to get back from it? So the calculation itself is relatively easy, and most people really understand it once they realize it's just how much am I spending up front, how much am I getting each year, and that's my return. Where people tend to have challenge is when they start to look at benefits. What are the benefits I'm actually going to get? And how do I quantify those? And that's where things get a little bit more complicated. I guess it's a no-brainer. If to spend $100,000 on software that's going to make me a million dollars or save me a million dollars, that's the ROI. So with that ROI, do you consider that like return on time, return on energy? It's all in the same category or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. If you have a choice between sort of time to value, if you will, or ROI, always look at payback, time to value. Customers understand how long until I cover my costs. So that example you just had, I spend $1,000, I get back 100000 say. So it only takes me a few weeks to cover my costs. That's fantastic. So that kind of return tells me how long until I cover my costs. If I told you the ROI was 1,000%, you sort of intellectually understand it. But one of the things that really can drive a deal is understanding how long until I cover my costs. People tend to be risk averse. So covering their costs is what they want to do. Now, do they believe the benefits becomes the big core question. How do I get the customer to believe they'll get that $100,000 back each year? And that's just looking at the benefits and helping the customer to frame that. So how do you get them to believe it? Human nature, right? Here are the facts. You're going to make this much. Here it is. Here's our testimonials, our success stories. Human yeah. nature is right. Uh, what if, what if, what is right? That emotional part of the sale. Right. What are the best ways to get them to believe it? Sure. Everybody becomes pessimistic. I don't think I'm going to get this return. So how do I, as a sales professional or as a marketing professional, help somebody understand the benefits they're going to get? And there's a couple of things you want to look at. The first is an overriding rule. Believe it or not, there are only three things I can do for a customer. Only three. I can either increase the productivity of their employees, I can reduce their costs in some way, or as a byproduct of those two, I can increase their profitability. That's it. So all the features of your product, everything that you could talk about, no matter what you're selling, you're selling a corporate chat or a piece of software, no matter what it is, all of the features ultimately roll into those three things, either increase productivity, reduce cost, or increase profitability. So if you understand that Whatever I do falls into that. You can understand the basic benefits. Those are the only three things I can do for a customer. Then you take those benefits and say, okay, let me recognize that some benefits are good and some benefits are weak. So some benefits are pretty strong. If I told you 
that I could save you $100,000 a year because we're going to eliminate, we're going to close a factory. You won't have to need this factory. It's going to save you $100,000 a year. You believe that. And that's what we call a first order benefit. It's a very strong benefit. You believe it. The CFO will believe it. Your prospect will believe it. Very believable benefit. If I say we intend, we hope, we plan to close a factory, then it's not as believable. And you can start to get that frame of how believable is it and how much variability does it have? So we'll absolutely close something and save you money to we expect to save you money. We hedging word to save you money. And I compare it to my daughter when she was a child and a young child. And she said, either I cleaned my room or I intend to clean my room. Well, if you have kids, you know, I intend to clean my room. It's not the same as I already cleaned my room. So how much do I believe it? Maybe 70%. Mm-hmm. So now we start to look at the benefits that we're talking to the customer about and say, what are really strong benefits and what are really weak benefits? A third order benefit would be an increase in productivity. You've got a mobile phone in your hand. If I asked you, are you more productive with your mobile phone? You'd probably say yes. If I said, how much more productive? You'd say, I don't know. So I might say, do you think you're at least 3% more productive? And you might say, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's 3%. Now I've got a productivity gain and I've bought you into 3%. Now, I don't really care what the benchmark data point is for productivity gains for phones. I just care about what you believe and realize it's a bell curve. I'm just going to talk you up to the point where you're comfortable with it. So I'm selling you a piece of software. I don't need to come up with the perfect business case. I need to come up with the business case that's the most credible one that you believe that closes the deal. And that's a big mistake some people make. Let's let's throw as many benefits as we can and come up with a perfect business case. And we don't need to do that. We just need to get the business case that's the most solid that the customer prospect believes because they need to turn around and ask for money internally. So they need to believe the data points. So I have a, a benefit that absolutely will happen, a benefit that's likely to happen, a benefit that's a productivity gain that I believe will happen. And then you get the long convoluted stories of if we give them this new software, they'll be happier and my employees will spend less time calling in sick. And so there'll be less turnover. They're less likely to go to new jobs. So I'll reduce my hiring costs. Well, something convoluted like that may happen, but that's such a distant benefit. It doesn't make sense. So the way you get people to believe benefits is to first recognize that some are really good. Some just aren't that good. And I don't need all of them. I just need enough to close my deal. So start to reorganize what you're saying around the strong benefits and take the weak ones and start to throw those out and you'll have a lot more luck. So I hope everyone caught that. You're either looking at increased productivity, lower costs, profits is what you're looking at to create those benefits. And you talk about that too. What is the easiest, quickest, fastest way to generate, to prove that ROI? You talked a little bit about that. Is there anything else there to help people in sales to generate that? One way really that is, is surprisingly overlooked is just ask the customer. If you think about the deals that you closed, you'll probably find that the deals are driven by one or two benefits, and then there are two or three that are supportive, and that's about it. There's never more than five. So there are one or two things that's driving the customer to talk to you. Ask them what that is. We want to buy a new combine for our farm because we need to be able to farm more acres. Okay, we want to increase the productivity of our farmers and cover more acres. Let's focus on that. And let's see if we can either do a survey, calculate, find some benchmark data if we can, but maybe we do a survey and say, how much more, how much faster can you plow a field, for instance, and uh, harvest a field, and then start to calculate what that would actually mean to them. 
you'll be able to sell X amount of bushels more of corn, and that will get you so much more in profit. So increased productivity results in profit. Okay, so now I've got a number, a benefit number I can compare to the cost. So the easiest thing to do is say, what are those one or two things that are really driving the prospect to talk to you? And then drill down into those. Don't go for 20 items. Go for the one or two that really matter. And the customer will tell you, I'm talking to you for a new CRM system because I need to make my sales reps more productive. Of course, there are a whole bunch of other reasons to deploy a CRM system, but increased sales productivity is probably the first. Great. Let's take a look at how much more productive they might be. And then you could use a negative approach. What if they're only 2% more productive? Would that justify the project? If it is, then you'll likely be able to go forward, even if the ultimate number is 5 or 6%. need to get to that big number. You just need to get a number that's good enough. Perfect. And I, like we said, you're asking questions, you're asking them. They're going to reveal a lot of these answers to ROI <laughs> and closing the deal. If we just sit back up and instead of vomiting on them, right, just kind of sit back and ask those questions and find out exactly what's going on. Yeah, just start that conversation by saying, you've come to us. What are the one or two things you're really looking for us to solve for you? How do you want us to help us in a perfect world? How can we best help you, the prospect? They will tell you. And that gives you a great place to start. I love it. And Ian, I got to ask you this. I was thinking about this the other day, the question of what's keeping you up at night, which is a great question, but do you think that's been abused and overused and triggers ding, ding, they're going to try to sell me something? What are your thoughts on that? For what's keeping you up at night? Yeah, I do. I think that's an overused phrase. I think uh, it's sort of like find the pain point. I know what you're trying to get to with that kind of phrase, what keeps you up at night, but I think a better approach would be to say, in a perfect world, how can I best help you? What's the one thing that you would really love to get out of it? That's a more positive, I think, feel to it than what's keeping you up at night. night. I like where it's going to get the information, but it has been abused a little too much. <laughs> yeah, it really has. I think everyone's staying up at night for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Indigestion, crying <laughs> kids, alligators in the bathtub, right? Things. <laughs> Are they going to escape? Lots of things keeping us up at night. The wars sure. of the world. But anyway. That's a big question. You want to narrow it down to what's the best. Yeah, you might trigger the me. wrong response on that one and get right. the wrong answers. <laughs> so let's shift gears a little bit. You talk about in your book that simple changes in the way we speak can lead to more sales and happier customers. What do you mean by that? I've worked with a lot of salespeople over the years and one of the challenges, I think, with any kind of recurring sales training that, that is typically done with sales staff is they tend to talk about the product. Here are all the features of a product. Here's what it does. Here are all the things it can do, rather than actually talking about the benefits. So whenever you see a features benefits list, it's usually a features and then restated features list. But think about those three benefits that I just said. There's only three things I can do. Increase productivity, reduce cost, increase profit. So let's take increase productivity. Just changing from talking about the features to then bundling those around increased productivity. So walk into the customer and say, we have a new version of our software. It's got a bunch of uh, new features. All of them are designed to help you increase or help increase the productivity of your salespeople. And let me show you the features and how they will increase productivity. So I'm talking about a benefit, increased productivity, and then I'm talking about all the ways I do it, as opposed to say, oh, it's got a new human interface, and now it has better connectors, and now it is, you fall into a features list. And it's funny that even when you challenge someone and start to push and say, no, tell me what it actually does for me, they'll again talk about the features and try to go with what is the benefit and then tie the features to that benefit. Here are all the things the product does to increase productivity. 
here are all the things I've, we've done to reduce your cost. So always tie whatever it is that's a feature to how it delivers a benefit to the customer. Don't rely on the customer, the prospect, to say, these new connectors you're creating, oh, that'll reduce my cost of creating connectors on my own. Oh, okay, I see now how it's going to help me. No, 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 show them. We know you have 20 connectors here already making your own. Now we've got these new ones or whatever the, the feature is that you're doing. But just that simple link and the way you talk about what you do and how you tie that to how it helps them can make a huge difference in how it's received by the prospect. And if you realize that every deal today really is a two-step deal, I'm selling to someone who then has to turn around and get money from someone else or get approval from another group, the internal champion's always asking for something from someone else internally. Simplify their message by giving them the tools so that they can turn around and say, oh, this new software will dramatically increase the productivity of our sales reps because it does all of this. So that's the message they're also using internally to sell why they should go with you. Some of these big sales blunders, not showing RI, the benefits. What else do you consider a major sales blunder that's happening out there that our listeners can fix? Often it's putting too much on the table. We'll see people throw a lot of benefits out there or try to do big consulting projects around building a business case. And more often than not, a business case doesn't really need a real business case. It's nothing more than a conversation. So having a conversation and framing the benefits can be very effective. And starting that at the beginning of the deal can be very effective. And if there's something else that we see is that people will bring value because ROI is a scary topic. People will either ignore value, salespeople either ignore value, or they'll bring it in at the very end of the deal when somebody says, oh, I need a business case. And then they go, okay, let me find some internal team to do that for me, or let me figure it out. The best thing to do is think about talking about the value of what you do from the very beginning. And there are three easy steps you can take. So think about the sales funnel we already know and however many steps you have in your funnel. Think about this usually on the left side of the funnel. Think about the other side of the funnel is the value side. And the value side has three steps. And the three steps start at the very beginning. You do the lead gen and you talk to the customer initially. Talk about all the different ways you deliver value. Here are all the different things we've done for customers. Then you go to the next step where you're somehow qualifying the lead and narrowing that funnel down. As you narrow the funnel, bring in examples and references of other customers that have achieved value. So here are other pharmaceutical companies like you that have achieved value from our product or other companies like that. And then the third step is you're really getting to the close, talk about how they will achieve value. So think about it as three steps in the funnel, not a point in the funnel you already know, but an opposite side to that funnel where it has those three broad steps. How do you deliver value? How have others achieved value with you? And then how will they achieve value with you? That's it. And never go to the next step of the funnel without completing that finance, that value side as well. And if you sort of think about, I'm going to go both sides of that funnel as I work my way down. By the time you get to the business case, by the time you get to the close, they already have a really good idea of how they're going to get value out of the product. And maybe they need a business case, maybe they don't. They might, but at least they're already very far along in understanding in a either quantitative or gut feel way how you deliver value for them or how you can how they can achieve value with you. A baby alligator example. Here are all the different ways people get money from baby alligators. Here's how other people have made money raising baby alligators. Here's how you will make money raising baby alligators. Easy three-step process. Ian well said, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you do? So nucleusresearch.com, it's my uh, daily job and uh, certainly reaching out to us. We 
do ROI research all the time, uh, you can reach out to me. We're in the analyst here, and I'm it's Ian at NucleusResearch.com. There's a lot of great articles on the ValueSale.com, uh, so uh, go up there if you want more on things like IRR and TCO and NPV. The real deep dive into some of those metrics, and you know, of course, I'd encourage anybody to take a look at Amazon and uh, love it if they would take a look at the book. Awesome. Thanks, Ian. Powerful information. Listeners, hopefully you took some great notes, a simplified message, quit vomiting all the features. It's some great information. So again, choose something, learn it, master it. Check out Ian and what he does. Also tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast, Maximize Your Influence. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, YouTube under Maximize Your Influence. Or go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com. All the podcasts are there, all the information. Also, home of your free Persuasion IQ assessment. Again, thanks, Ian. Become a better salesperson, a better influencer, a better person. Master these skills and go out and persuade with power. 